Welcome to Inspiring Growth. I'm Mark B. Fisher, your chief encourager, along with author and comedian, Amberly Neese. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Also, thank you, our inspiring growers. Your comments, feedback, suggestions are really helping us shape future episodes. So thanks to Britt and Matt for encouraging us to keep some form of interview with our guests in the podcast. I think you're going to love the golden nuggets of wisdom from our second story interview. And by the way, folks, if you're just tuning in, I just want you to know Amber Lee and I both are doing this podcast for two simple reasons, to inspire and encourage, to tell inspiring stories of ordinary people who during economic struggle found a way to either start a new company or a new career. And the second, to encourage all entrepreneurs to change our world for the better, one company at a time. Absolutely. I I agree. And I will say I need some inspiration right now as well. And so for me, these stories have been so encouraging that indeed we have the opportunity to get bitter or better when we face economic struggles. So that is really exciting. Jonathan, thank you so much for writing on Apple Tunes recently. This is what he said. I think this is great. This podcast really does a wonderful job sharing how Mark P. Fisher challenges your outlook on leadership and growth through real life stories. Give it a listen if you're wanting to grow. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you so much for uh, that great feedback. If you like our podcast, would you mind reviewing it or rating it on Apple iTunes? Your five-star rating is like a superpower. And we're thankful that when you give it a five-star rating, it supercharges how people can find us. So your rating and review gives the podcast Google juice to move folks to hear about it. And if you'd like to interact with Mark and me, please join our private Facebook group, Inspiring Growth Podcast. We are there and we are ready to field any questions you might have or get some feedback. We're just, we would be so stoked to connect with you. What's interesting is that the more people have liked and rated the podcast, the more inundated we become of people who want to be guests on the podcasts, agencies and different authors and different things like that. I think we got as as high as like 79 in the top 100 in business podcasts. We got inundated. So we typically don't just bring strangers on with us, people we know or have gotten to know. So anyway, that's just a, a side note, but we're grateful for the five-star rating. Absolutely. Okay, so this is kind of a special week. Listening to the feedback of our listeners, both Amberly and I had the opportunity to sit down with the folks in the following two stories. They're inspiring. They talk about their struggle, how it led to growth. So let's start with Amberly. The bruises varied in intensity and color and covered her small frame. She hid in various locations around the house in hopes he would not find her. It was the summer of 2015, and although the sun was shining, she perceived the days as dark and hopeless. She never thought she would be here, a physically and mentally abused mother of two. Her marriage was new, but soon after the wedding, the onslaught of threats, beatings, and brainwashing grew old quickly. Her abuser spat on her every day. He accused her of infidelity and stole her keys and parked behind her car each day so she could not escape. But escape became all she could think about. But where would she go? At the height of the abuse, a coworker asked her about the bruises, but she found herself making up a story. She was covering for the monster and it hit her 
This is not okay. I am not okay. With some careful planning, a few personal items, and seven broken ribs, she headed for a new life in a new state. She was confused, grieving, sore from the last beatings, and thankful that she and her boys were out of that house. In an attempt to occupy her mind, she grabbed her camera and headed for the local square and some of the restaurants in the area. She took pictures of passersby, strangers really, to capture life, normal life. She'd used the camera many times before to capture her sons and sports as a favor for a friend or two who needed pictures taken, but she never thought of photography as anything other than a hobby. But the diversion proved to be therapy for her, both telling stories and connecting with others through photography. She researched YouTube, gleaned as much about photography as possible, and after a long day of working at a hospital, she spent her free time capturing and editing. It was behind the lens that she found joy again. She noticed a shortness of breath and fatigue she could not explain. She'd always been healthy, but after much cajoling from her son, she sought medical insight. She got a call from the doctor that evening. He wanted to see her the next morning. She had contracted viral cardiomyopathy, a virus that literally attacked her heart and had reduced her heart's function to 19%. She was dying. She could no longer do the job at the hospital, and she came to a crossroads. Does she succumb to this illness, or does she fight it? Does she pursue photography, her, her true joy, at the risk of financial ruin? It was in this season that Blushing Cactus was born. More than a catchy name for a photography business, it represented strength and growth in adversity. Photography allowed her to capture emotion in a way she didn't think possible, and the requests started to pour in. A slow trickle at first, but steady. She wanted to come alongside nonprofits in her area, and her passion became her business, which has become her livelihood. She's grown a lot since she left her abuser years ago. She's thankful for her photography, and she has the right to be. She's been awarded Businesswoman of the Month, cited as an Instagram account to follow in Phoenix Magazine, won various awards and contests, and her work has been featured in various magazines, album covers, and promotional ads. She's proud of how much stronger she is these days and continues to win the trust and praise of those she photographs by finding the little moments and details that mean so much. Although her heart is operating only 39% now, she feels like she's been given a second chance at life to truly make the most of it. She's also proud of her relationship with her fiancé. She met her business partner during a shoot she was on. They've partnered to create meaningful memories and connections through photography. Despite the saturated market and pandemic of COVID-19 and the challenges they're in, they are hopeful for the future. Both have endured some dramatic life changes, but never fail to stop and marvel at how far they've come the opportunities they've been given, and the fact that they get to do life and art together. They cannot imagine doing anything else. Tracy Fultz and Jeremiah Sheffer of Blushing Cactus Photography get married this month. But at this point, they still haven't booked a photographer. Oh, Amber Lee, that story is this combination of tragedy and beauty. Thank you so much for sharing that. Hey, folks, in the third part of the podcast, stay tuned because Amber Lee and I are going to really unpack both stories and the lessons we've learned that can apply to our lives and our businesses and our possible new careers. Let's just pause for a minute so I can introduce you to a really very inspiring man who's known struggle himself as well as, well, 
a near-death experience. His story is one of seeing needs and meeting them, and his name is Brian Tome. Sound familiar, Inspiring Growth listeners? Yep. Brian was the guest on the Inspiring Growth podcast where he shared his story of jumping off a river gorge 900 feet when his parachute malfunctioned, and he tells that story on one of our previous podcasts. You might want to go back and listen to that. Well, Brian has a fascinating company that helps people in distress. It's called Red Truck Investments, and I just love what they do. It's it's named after a 1951 GMC farm truck that Brian bought and restored to new life, kind of like what he does with Red Truck Investments. He buys houses, often houses that are a little run down and need a little TLC, sometimes homes that are in distress. And then he and his team breathe new life into that home, after which they either sell the new beauty or they rent it. One of Brian's clients, the family of an elderly widow who had to go into a nursing home, had a long-time family home that they didn't want anymore, so they called Red Truck Investments. Not only did Brian and Red Truck buy the house quickly at a fair price, but after it was beautifully renovated, Red Truck leased it to this grateful healthcare worker who now calls her home a sanctuary. Hey, listen, if you have a house you need to sell quickly, Start a conversation with Brian Tome on his cell phone at 302-383-8136 or go to redtruckinvestments.com. That's 302-383-8136 or redtruckinvestments.com. Helping distressed homeowners sell their home quickly at a fair price. Now, let's jump back in. Hey, folks, listen, I want to introduce you to John Zaccone. He is the founder of North Star Truck Lettering and Sign Company, and his story is full of nuggets for entrepreneurs, wannabe entrepreneurs, or people that are thinking about, hey, how do I get moving forward when I'm stuck and full of fear? Let's jump in. Today on the podcast, we have a gentleman that during the Great Recession stepped off the cliff of entrepreneurialism and I cannot wait for you guys to meet John. John, welcome to the Inspiring Growth Podcast. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. More like pushed off the cliff. Oh, <laughs> tell me about that. Well, because when the recession kicked in, I'm watching businesses close left and right around me. And we were involved in um, a car and truck accessory store. Most of 75% of our business was car dealerships, and they were closing left and right. And we had to let a lot of people go in our business. and. When it got down to me, the owner, the owner's son, and the son-in-law, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who was next on the chopping block. <laughs> yeah. In fact, they pulled me in the office on April Fool's Day, April 1st, to tell me I'm being let go. And I didn't know if it was a joke uh, or if it was legit. And that was 2008? That was 2009. Okay, 2009. It was like the middle end of the recession. It was like the damage has already been done. They kept me as long as they could. And so you you walk into this thing, you think it's a joke, and then they're not laughing, and you're starting to cry. I mean, no. what 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 happened next? No, no, I was like, my heart just like dropped down to my stomach when I realized the heads went down. They didn't want to do it; mm. they had to do mm -hmm. it. The light bulb moment for me was when the owner's son looked at me and said, "You know, nothing for nothing, Jay Z. That's what they was calling Jay Z." But what the f are you doing here? Mm. And it was like the biggest compliment, wake up call. 
And I always wanted to go into business for myself, but it always held back by fear, fear of failure, fear of not being able to succeed and not be able to keep it running. Um, mm. That was, you know, fear is big. Yeah. So talk about that fear. How did that motivate you? How did that stop you? You know, it goes, I guess it goes back to, you know, the uh, fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you have an alternative. You have the choice. You could either fall down and crumble or you fight. And, you know, and I was not going to lose my house. I was determined. That was my big motivating mm-hmm. factor. And you have a family? Um, no, I'm actually not married. No kids or anything like that. So really, the only thing was to lose my house. Mm-hmm. So that was my big thing. So um, they even gave me a month to look for another job. Wow, that's generous. Uh, you know, I could leave any time for an interview, whatever I want. I mean, I was well, you know, taken care of there. But I knew that it was going to come to the end of that month and nobody was hiring. Mm. I mean, I had two interviews that a whole month of me trying desperately. And about a quarter of what I was making, um, there wasn't a right fit for me. So um, when this was coming down the road, I started buying equipment because we did a lot of different things in the auto accessory business. We did detailing, we did sunroofs, we did all that. But the one factor that we brought in was um, vinyl lettering machine. And what I noticed was it was always busy, even during the recession, because people were losing their jobs and they had to have their own business to go into. Mm. And they started lettering up their vans and stores, putting banners up last minute, you know, say, hey, you know, sale. So I said to myself, you know, maybe that could be a vital, viable business. So uh, I started slowly buying equipment on my credit cards. Oh, there we go. There's where the <laughs> no, money no. came from. No, I was living paycheck to paycheck. I did the, like the worst thing you could possibly do, you know. Uh, no, I put everything on my credit cards and then uh, it was a gamble. It was a true gamble. Mm. I bought like a, an enclosure, an outside enclosure to do vehicles in like a little portable garage. Mm-hmm. Wanted to see if I could actually make it. Now, the gamble, the gamble was really on you. Did you ever sit and think to yourself, okay, I'm going to gamble. I'm, but you know what? I'm betting on myself. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you're betting on yourself and you bet on yourself but you didn't have any money. You're using credit cards. You're renting a little. I used my last bit of money. When I found the shop that I wanted to go into, mm-hmm. um, I used my last bit of money that was earmarked for my mortgage. And I put it as a security deposit for the shop because I figured the mortgage is only going to buy me another month. Right. But I needed a, I needed a way to sustain and make an income. Mm. So I took a gamble. And I can believe me, the first few months were, were hell. Um, I was doing that. everything from restoring furniture Whatever I could do to make money in that shop, I would do. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. Um, taking my roots from back in the car and truck accessory store, I was doing uh, remote starts, stereo installations, whatever I could. Not even It wasn't even related to the sign industry, right. but I had to get it going. And I was knocking on doors to the point where they said, oh, not this guy again. <laughs> you know, I was going up to marinas and like, oh, this guy. And one day I went to the marina and he's like, wait a minute, aren't, aren't you the sign guy? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you could do a job right now on the spot. You're hired. And I did. So that was my first account. Oh, a marina. Now, the name of your company is North Star Truck Lettering and Signs. How'd you come up with that name? Yeah, it's a tongue twister. Um, years ago, I had a business. I used to do a lot of little online ventures. Um, it was called North Star Distributors. Okay. And I kind of reverse engineered. I live on a street called Compass. Mm. And the number actually points to North Star. Mm. So I kind of reverse engineered to make it sound like it was much bigger than what it really, really was. <laughs> so it came out North Star Distributors. Well, it's a bigger name. Uh, it's an illusion on online. You know, it's, you, have to, you have to make yourself look like you're bigger than you are. Mm. But I took that North Star because I always liked it and just made it North Star truck size. Mm. Nice. Nice. Okay. So the marina said, 
now. I, I remember when I was in college uh, and I was looking for a job and I someone said, you should go work at UPS. You, you know, you work at night and then you can go to college during the day and they, they pay really well, great benefits. And so I went in and I, I'll never forget, John, I was sitting in the HR office and I had just done an interview, filled out all the paperwork and the door just slams open and this guy in a UPS, like, I don't know, manager's outfit just goes right past me, opens the HR director's door. I hear this blah, 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 blah from the other door and he comes out, he shuts the door and he leaves. And I'm like, uh, that dude's intense. And the HR manager came out and looked at me and he goes, Mark, if you can start on Monday, you're hired. <laughs> yes, there sir. Yeah, you go. Two and a half years, man. Strike that paid the, the bills. That's it. No, I know that feeling. Believe me, I do. When when you when you started getting these accounts, you were hustling, so you were also going out and getting the business, right? And then you were. I wasn't waiting for it to come to me. I was going after it and hard. Okay. You know, talk about some of the things you did to get the business. Well, like I said, I was going to every like car dealership, like used car shop. You know, if you need accessories, I still had all my connections from the mm. from the uh, truck accessory business and car accessory business. So I was knocking on doors that way. Let's just pause a minute because inspiring growth listeners, I think that's an important lesson that we all need to remember that when we step off the cliff, or as John says, get pushed off the cliff, <laughs> oftentimes our path forward are the relationships of the past. Absolutely. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Because you have to use all your resources to go forward. All right. What else do you do? Then I got into a, um, I don't want to say museum, but yeah, it's like a nautical museum. Okay. Uh, it's a seaport. Um, and it was really interesting. And I got slowly started doing work for them, starting with little small banners. And now that's one of my bigger, bigger accounts to this day. Tell everybody where you're located. Uh, in West Creek, New Jersey. Uh, it's... You know, it's near LBI. Most people know that in Long Beach Island. Okay. It's a popular resort area. All right, cool. Uh, what was I going with this? <laughs> well, you were starting to talk about how you went out and you were just knocking on doors. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I wasn't waiting for it to come to me. I was going after it and building up account after account. And in the early days, I was still working at my old place on Saturdays because they hated working on Saturdays. Uh, and they had me come in and I would say, I don't want any money. Pay my health benefits. Okay. So, you know, I'd be a little creative. This way, you know, they paid my health benefits and I just came in and worked full days on Saturdays. Brilliant. While I was working there on a Saturday, a gentleman comes in and goes, where have you been? I've been coming here. You haven't been here. So I told him the story. I got kind of laid off and everything. Goes, what are you doing? You go, well, I own a sign and truck, a truck uh, lettering shop. Because you're kidding. Because you do know I work for this big construction company. Mm. I mean, it's big. I, yeah. He goes, well. You know, I can get you in the door, but what you do from that point, you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I just figured it would just talk. That day, I'm on my way home. I get the call. Uh, can you come in Monday? Mm-hmm. We want to talk. I'm like, yeah. Perfect. So that, by far, is my biggest account today. It is. I mean, I, I, I can live on them alone. Now, you know, it's interesting. You know, Lori and I have five kids, and over the, as they've, wow. as they've been, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> people often say, I could never have five kids. I don't have the patience. I said, yeah, well, how do you think you get it? <laughs> but um, good point, good answer. But I, 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 I would often say to the kids, "Hey, listen, um, it's who you know that gets you in the door. It's who you are that keeps you there." I like that. I'm gonna steal that one from you. Oh yeah, I, I, but it's it's like <laughs> it's one of my kids wanted a job at Chick Fil A, and I I knew the 
uh, the owner manager and uh, and you know there was some pushback oh dad i don't know i was like no no it's who you know that opens the door but Absolutely. dude it's your character it's how you do i mean i love that you were 10 minutes early for our podcast interview what what did, what did you yeah. grow up what do people used to call you johnny on the spot boom <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right well what were yeah. what were some of the wins as you as you got going so this huge account happened what the, else the, happened the biggest win for me the eye opening win was when i one day made what I did in one day, what it used to take me a week. Oh, that's such a great moment. That was like, oh my God. And then it got even more crazier than that. Making one day what I used to make in a month, mm. you know? And it's just like, wow. And you, you don't even think that's even possible, mm -hmm. you know? And those are definitely carrots at the end of the stick, you know? It's, it's like, wow, that's what keeps you going. You know, there's a book called The E-Myth. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, The Entrepreneurial mm -hmm. Myth. And okay. uh, the, the premise is this. If you, um, you're working for somebody for, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, and you're like, I'm going out on my own. And then you work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and you're like, what have I done? Until you hit the moment you just described, and you go, man, is this illegal? Can I be making this yeah, much money? Exactly. exactly. It was like, oh, my God. And it's funny is uh, other wins. Um, when I'm dealing with a customer who came in 10 years ago with a broken down truck, uh, lettered his vehicle. And then now it's got fleets of vehicles. Mm. I love small business. That's my passion. Mm. That's my drive. And I love when they succeed. Everyone says, well, you know, you gotta worry about the money. I'm like, you know what? I'm not in it for the money. I really am. I'm one of the weird ones. I'm, I'm actually in it for the success. Mm. And if I do my job correctly, I'll make money as a byproduct. I'm not worried about that. Good word. And it really, it's true. And, uh, there's nothing better, greater feeling than see like fleets of vehicles that you know you helped the guy along the way. Mm. Mm. That's a win. That is a huge win. That's so good. Well, what were some of the setbacks during those early days that caused you to say, you know what, I want to, I'm quitting this thing. I, I want to go back to a job. I never got to that level, honestly, but I tell you what, it was, like I said, it was tough early on. Um, you tried to have a business and you don't have any credit. Yeah, the business has no credit. Yeah, you know, and your personal credit's not looking too good either because I had to go through bankruptcy mm. because living to paycheck to paycheck, and I only went for so long, you know, on your unemployment, yep. and it's not covering all your bills. Mm. And I tried to carry it for two and a half years, and when the unemployment ran out, while I'm trying to still run my business, trying to get that going, the money just wasn't there. So you're saying after you started your business, you had to go into bankruptcy? Yeah. Talk about yeah. that. That feels because that feels. It was about. Difficult. Yeah, probably about, let's say, maybe a year later, I had to go into bankruptcy. Mm. Um, no, two years later, two years later. Okay. Um, what happened was I, I was in the unemployment office collecting, and I seen this crumbled up piece of paper behind a filing cabinet that was a photocopy that said, ask us about SEA. Mm. So I asked, oh, what is this SEA thing? No, I can get a straight answer from anybody. Mm. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm going to be like a three-year-old. I'm not going to stop until I know what that's about. <laughs> Love that. So, so he goes, well, it stands for Self-Employment Assistance Program. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Well, now I'm really, my interest is really PQ. Like, well, what, what is this? So I had to go back downstairs, get an appointment. I waited there for three hours downstairs, mm -hmm. get an appointment, go back upstairs in the unemployment office, find out what this is about. And basically it was, in a nutshell, you collect unemployment like you normally do, mm -hmm. but it's geared to help put you into business. So Ooh. any money you make from your business does not get deducted like a typical uh, unemployment thing where you have to show your yes and it's not really well known is this a jersey thing or a national thing i think it's national i believe it's national oh, wow but they tried to 
botch it a couple times. Um, I think it might be still active. I got to check. Hmm. But they even sent me to college. What? It was a, uh, yeah, it was a five or six week program. Uh, and it was great. You had a, um, you actually had a professor uh, who was an attorney in business. Mm-hmm. You had a CPA. You had um, a person that handled um, marketing, guerrilla marketing. Uh, it was intense. I'll tell you, it really, really helped. Mm. You had to do a business plan. You couldn't pass the class thing unless you got your business plan approved. And what was this? The SBA, not SBA, but SEA, S- self-employment assistance. Yeah, okay. All right, I'm going to look that up, folks, uh, and we'll figure really out great. if that's good for what where we're living through now. So you got this kind of education. It sounds like sort of street education from somebody that's actually living it and doing it. Yes. Yeah, that's yes. very cool. And But you still struggled. You were like, oh, I'm, I got to file for bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. What was the tipping point? Well, the, the point was, like I said, when the unemployment funds, even the SEA funds, ran out, mm. Now I'm still solely dependent on whatever I can make from the business. Got it. And uh, that was the point where it got really hairy. Mm. You know, but it's the fire on your butt. It's like, you know, okay, now what do I do? Well, you get back in your vehicle and you start going down the street and you start knocking on doors again mm. to get business. And it wasn't until I got that big construction business, like I said, two years later, it started real slow. Well, you could do a van. Mm. Now I'm there three to four times a week. Okay. You know, relettering. They what they do is they'll take like a big giant. If you know what a paver is, mm. it paves the roads. Okay. They'll take I've been behind the them. Okay. Because. Yeah. Not too happy no. there, right? Yeah. <laughs> they'll take off the cat factory logo and I reduplicate it in their colors, mm. which is a dark green and construction yellow. Mm-hmm. And they're very fanatical people. They want everything perfect. All right. Okay. Yeah, but there's no problem. That's what I like too. So fast forward. Now it's we're in the middle of a pandemic. Is, uh, do you still have business? <laughs> it's like deja vu all over again. Um, it's the same fear for things like what the unknown. But I always say, let me get to that answer in one second. Mm-hmm. I just want to say fear is actually a good thing in business. Talk about that. Fear motivates you. Uh, it prepares you. It pushes you. It makes you more innovative because you can't stay static in business. you mm. got to always adapt. Mm. Um so, yeah, um, business, the walk-in business, I actually had to close off mm-hmm. because it wasn't, during the lockdown, it's not allowed. Mm-hmm. But I can still do mail order. I can still do phone orders. I can mail out stuff. I can deliver. Um, the construction company and me are considered essential businesses. So mm-hmm. I'm still open to, you know, do essential business people. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the big construction company. Mm-hmm. Um, the museum is still closed. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe so, yes. Have you gone for the PPP? Did you did you get the PPP loan? I've been no. You know, the funny thing about that is it really only protects if you have a bunch of employees. Yeah, and you're the only employee. Even a ten thousand dollar one is a thousand dollars per employee. Yeah, I know that's no good. You know, it doesn't really help the single person out there. I had a layoff, I had a part timer, mm-hmm. had a layoff. It's a shame, uh, but actually she had to go anyway because she had to stay home with the kids and do the schooling. Mm. Yeah, that's a but, that, that was a separate issue that has created a lot of problems. Yeah, it's not really helpful. I mean, they've got a lot of programs out there, but I don't qualify for unemployment mm-hmm. because um, single member LLC. I didn't qualify. I, I applied for the loan because it was me and her. I got $2,000 for that. Mm-hmm. My bank offered a $7,500 uh, interest-free loan for three months. Mm-hmm. I took it just to have it as a cushion. That's good. But honestly, if it wasn't for that big construction company, yeah. I'd be uh, up a creek without a power. Yeah, yeah. You want to you depend on your customers, not the government. 
Exactly. Exactly. And you got to be creative. So now you have to start shifting. Mm. Okay. Now we're in a pandemic. What can I do? And I started making a lot of the social distancing floor uh, sticking decals. Oh, that's right. You're the guy putting those out. Oh, yes. yes. The personal protection, acrylic panels that are in front of the, they stand in front of the desk. So you, you know, acts as a protecting barrier. My suppliers are adapting. They're now carrying this uh, personal protection Mm. equipment that, um, that I can buy and then resell. Wow. Perfect. Okay. So yeah. uh, as we kind of come to a close, uh, you know, we're, we're putting this podcast together to inspire others like you, John, who saw a need, got pushed off the cliff. Uh, what advice do you have for our inspiring growth listeners who are probably like you thinking, but they're afraid they're underfunded. They have an idea. What, what advice would you give yeah. them? Well, first, don't panic. Okay. You panic is not, that's not the key. You have to come up with a plan. You have to sit down like I did and figure out what can I do within this pandemic to still make business. Mm. You know, don't panic. Fear is good because fear pushes you. Mm-hmm. Don't let it consume you, but use it. What do you think the difference um, between panic and fear is? Panic to me, I look at panic as somebody going off the deep end and not focusing. It's just like, you're just, going into a cocoon of fear and not doing anything about it where fear it's there, it's inside you, it burns inside you, but you have to, it's the fight or flight. Uh, you know, it's, you got to fight, fight. flight or freeze. I remember when I was coaching my son's little football uh, team, he ran a kickoff back for a touchdown and I was just hooping and hollering and running over to him. And I was like, dude, that was awesome, man. You should do that morning. Uh, how did you do that? He looked at me and goes, dad, I was afraid of getting killed. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You know, through all this pandemic, I said somewhere, someplace, there's the next uh, Jeff Bezos Mm. in a a garage coming up with the next big thing Mm -hmm. that we don't know what it is now, Mm -hmm. but you got to take advantage of these things. All right. So don't, don't panic. panic. What else? Don't panic. Focus. Focus. Come up with a uh, strategy that adapts. You know, you got to always adapt your business. You can't be static. You always have to be flexible. Take what comes, you know. Good. Turn it around. Use it. Good. Good. Man, John, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Thanks for having if, me. I really appreciate oh, it. Oh, yeah. So if people want to just uh, touch base with you, they go over to the North Star Truck Lettering and Signs. And uh, it sounds like you ship stuff as well, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I have a website, too. Very cool. Did you build a website along the way when you started or do it yourself? I did it myself in the beginning. It was kind of hokey. And then I had a professional do it because, you know, you always have professionals do where you're weak at, you know, whether it be accounting or, you could You could preach that all day long right there. Yes, absolutely. That's a tough lesson. Don't be ashamed. It is a tough lesson. Entrepreneurs always getting their finger in everything. And then they realize, I I would. Especially in areas where you're weak at. Right. You know, definitely trust and hire professionals. Oh, so good. All right, John. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with the Inspiring Growth listeners. We look forward to checking back with you later to see how you've evolved as an entrepreneur. All right. I look forward to it. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So, Mark, we got feedback from some of our listeners that they wanted us to return to a more narrative uh, storytelling where we um, invited people in. And I feel like this week was a fantastic mixture of, of story and struggle. And I can't wait to unpack this with you. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. I was reading um, 
I can't remember who it was, but they were saying, you know, sometimes when you're building something, you want to just have this huge broad base and appeal to the millions. It's better to have a hundred people love what you do than a million people that go meh. True. So I really want to be true to my audience. I know the audience is growing, but I also feel the richness of the story and the interview and the curiosity. So you know what? We're just going to go where the path takes us. I love that. I love that. So uh, I think I think I would like to, if it's okay with you, I'd like to start with uh, your interview with John. Can we do that since that's fresh in our minds? Sure. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, I loved the humble beginnings. I loved that out of this need, you know, he was very, uh, he was very faithful to the company at which he was working and, uh, and yet through necessity, through financial necessity, they needed to let him go. And it began this journey, um, that he said, fear makes you more innovative. And Mm. so he got innovative. Uh, but I will tell you, Mark, uh, you know, me and it gave me hives. Some of the things he was saying, I was like, oh, my Lanta, that is, that's awesome. That worked for him. That would make me lose all bladder control. Like the whole, like I didn't pay my mortgage. I invested in my company, all these things. I just, wowzer, schmauzer town. What courage, what grit. Well, it's funny because there's this fine line between courage and grit and what's you crazy? <laughs> you want to lose your house? You're going to go to jail? What, what are you thinking here? Exactly. Exactly. The, so I there, my... there are the there are the priorities of an entrepreneur, though. And mm-hmm. sometimes when you're when you're when you're breathing like when you're giving birth to this thing, you kind of got to tune out a few things outside. Oh, I mean, as, as if I know what I'm talking about giving birth. Uh, well, I, I do, and I'm still saying that guy was stressing me out, but it also inspired me. I thought I thought the 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 fact that he was taking a gamble on himself. You know, we think of gambling as just so random. No, there was no randomness to his gamble. He was being very strategic in the way that he was doing things. And something I thought was interesting, Mark, you and I've been friends a long time. I also worked for UPS, but your story is way cooler than mine. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact that that that, uh, exchange became an opportunity for you, Mm. I, I think he made the most of those opportunities. And I think that that is fantastic. Uh, he also said he showed up early. You even mentioned that um, he showed up early to your interview. He's that guy. He's, he's that guy that minutes. He was ten minutes. He's ten minutes early to the interview. And I, the first thing I said is, "Hey, John." I mean, I hadn't even talked to him. I said, "Hey, are you ex-military?" He goes, "No, I'm just Johnny on the spot." <laughs> yes, but how many of us, you know, uh, given given my druthers, I'm the right at eleven girl. Like I will, oh, yeah. I will be there. I will be there on time, but. 10 minutes early, Lord have mercy. And yet that's what he's done with this business. That's the reason he is still thriving in this market, which I think is fantastic. And you know, that reminds me of a friend, uh, Paul Palmer. He's a builder. And he uh, he's often said to me as we've walked life together, if you're not 10 minutes early, hmm, you're five minutes late. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and finally, I loved the fact that he did not wait for people, for clients, for customers to come to him. Yeah. I think I think we so do that. We just feel like, oh, well, if I, I put out social media, so I'm sure if I just open the doors, people will come. And yet, no, he walked through those doors and went out and got customers. And man, that was a challenge to me. Um, that was fantastic. So it was a great interview. Thank you. 
Yeah. Well, he was so easy to interview. He was he was just, as you said, natural, humble, willing to talk about it. And he, he even sent me a note afterwards. He goes, that was so much fun. <laughs> I was like, well, I had fun too, which is good. So one of the things that I think as I'm watching the 25 to 35-year-old entrepreneurs try to make their way in their startup world, and I'm not talking about Silicon Valley. I'm talking about Brandon Banks, who's building a landscaping business, and I'm, he's, you know, I'm one of his clients. There is this tendency, not for Brandon, but of that, of that generation to say, the way I'm going to grow is I'm going to use digital marketing, social media, and John showed us it was face-to-face, palm-to-palm, show up in the office, have a conversation, develop a relationship, and just keep, you know, you might get rejected nine out of 10 times, but that 10th time could be that huge client. Absolutely. Yeah, I was, I, I thought that was fantastic. And it's not just 35 to 45-year-olds that struggle with that. Sometimes this 50-year-old struggles with, well, if I just, if I build it, they will come. Mm. And he just took it to the next level. He not only built it, but he... He showed up and it was pretty awesome. All right. So now my time uh, with Blushing Cactus Photography. First of all, I, this is a this is a friend of mine and I'm so, I was so thankful, but I didn't choose her because she was my friend. I chose her because her story rocked my socks and moved my soul. And uh, I hope that you had a similar response. Well, it was visceral. I mean, as I, as I just sort of leaned into the story and listened to the pain, I was like, I really hope that she has something of great beauty. I think one of the things I listened as I listened to her story is that difficult roads sometimes can lead to beautiful destinations. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think it's so interesting that her story seems so tragic to me. And yet story is what she does for a living. She happens to use a camera as medium, but, um, but she tells stories. And, uh, I thought that that was so fantastic. So what did you learn? What the business savvy in you, what did you glean from that past her personal, uh, triumphs? So what did I learn from a business perspective? I think sometimes creativity can come from trauma. Mm. You know, you've talked about how you, you don't have enough trauma in your life to be a good comedian. And you're like, Oh, that's, you know, maybe, maybe not. But I think what she she taught me was that when you starve the bad and feed the good, mm. a path can emerge. Yes. And, and, and when trauma and fear, I think when trauma and fear fills my mind, sometimes it's the smallest thing that can wedge in between those horrible memories that's maybe first a distraction, but then, oh then it becomes so much more. Because for her, in an attempt to occupy her mind, she grabbed her camera. She yes. headed to the local square and some restaurants that she took pictures of passerbyers and, and strangers, and, and she just wanted to capture normal life. And I'm thinking, mm, there's something to wedging between the fear and the trauma with something every day that can emerge into a business. Absolutely. Ugh. 
Absolutely. So um, years ago, um, some of our listeners may remember that Mount St. Helens had a major eruption. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I remember being in school and a couple of years later that there were biologists that found these beautiful, this foliage that was so incredibly healthy, like it was uh, unparalleled in its health on Mount St. Helens. And it was where the live uh, animals had died. Like where the, where they had died, this, where the death had happened, this amazing growth, this amazing strength happened. And for me, I love that story of, man, there were some parts of her story that I mourned and yet, oh, I can also dance at how she was able to take those things and, and leverage them, uh, for good and great growth. It was pretty awesome. Unless you're the animal. Unless you're the animal. Thank you, Mark. (laughs) Thank you for writing us a reality check. Yes. Animal, come on. No, I mean it. I was thinking that because my wife is an animal lover, and last night she came in traumatized from her walk because our little King Charles Spaniel had had been stalked by this red fox that was oh, in wow. our neighborhood, and so Lori ended up having to pick up our dog and and whisk her away, and and because my wife she has a tender spot for animals. And, well, so, okay. So let's take that to the next level. I don't mean to like philosophize, but there are lots of our listeners that their businesses, they've, they've, they've seen some deaths in, um, mm. you know, their client base or, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, any of those things. And I just feel like, yes, it is a, it is mourning when we lose those things. And yet it's possible. Those are the very places that, that great growth is going to happen. Okay, now we are going to philosophize because it takes us to the great storyteller who said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot grow. Mm -hmm. I I think from my story, your story, her story, there is death in our path that can keep us down or it can, I mean, you got to have somebody come along and breathe life. You have to have some encouragers. You have to have people in your life that, you know, Nurture. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like your new book. um, The Belonging Project, Finding Your Tribe and Learning to Thrive. Yeah. So it's that finding that tribe that can say, hey, I still believe in you. I want to be a I want to be a part of this new thing that's going to emerge. And absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, by the way, for the book plug. Well done, sir. Extra points for today. (laughs) I'll tell you another thing. sometimes the name of our our work mm-hmm. doesn't come immediately. It emerges after we actually start our company. And I thought, you know, her story of the blushing cactus, you know, how it was born. I think sometimes we have to adjust. You know, my the company, my company name years ago I started was called Payne Fisher Marketing Group. And it wasn't until a few years ago that somebody said, Mark, you inspired growth in me as a leader. And I realized, oh. So for her, it was a catchy name, but I think sometimes when we when we name our work, yes, it's good to have a story and a meaning behind it. In her case, it represented strength and growth and adversity. But I, I really feel like the name of a company to a founder creates the founder's story that creates connection with people. And man, there's no telling where that's going to go. I agree. Oh, that's so good. Mark, this has been a blessing this week. I am so excited, but we are 
only three, uh, three sessions in to our eight week, um, experiment, eight week experiment. So keep the comments coming y'all. We're, we're excited to do this journey with you. We are hoping that indeed this is inspiring growth in you, encouraging you, maybe being that, um, encouragement that comes alongside you to tell you, yes, you can do this. We believe it. Thank you, Amberly, And thank you, inspiring growers to be a part of our little tribe. And uh, if you haven't yet jumped over to our private Facebook group, Inspiring Growth Podcast, please join us there as well as the Inspiring Growth Facebook page. I want to thank Dylan Garvin for producing today's podcast. And I just want to remind you, as you come to the close of our podcast, that there are three little things that we can do to create connection with one another that cause growth in relationship. Just remember to be kind, be present, and ask good questions. I'm Mark P. Fisher, your Chief Encourager with Inspiring Growth with Amberly Neese. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. It's funny what you said there. I remember being in the unemployment line and was having a conversation. And everyone who I talked to, and I said, I'm going to start my own business. This is in 2009. <laughs> I'd say in the middle of the recession, but probably the middle towards the end of the recession, but still there. And they're like, what? You got to be crazy to start a business now. And I got sick of hearing it. Mm. And my, my go-to response was always, well, I didn't pick it. It picked me. But to me, that sounded too much of a whiny answer. Mm. And I didn't like it. So when I said, one more person asked me this or says some comments on this, I'm going to go nuts. So I'm in line with this guy in the unemployment office. He goes, well, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm going to start my own business. He goes, now? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you picked the worst time to start a business. And I just, the words came out of me. I didn't have any thought process behind them. I said, no, I picked the best time to go into business. And he goes, how do you figure? I go, because I'd rather be at the bottom of the mountain looking up than the top looking down. Ooh. I can make it now. Just imagine how good I'll make it when things are good. Mm. He goes, that's a good answer. That is awesome. Man, I don't know where it came from. It just like came out of my mouth faster than I could even think. I'll tell you where it came from. It, ca- it came from your struggle. Yeah, well, that too, yeah. It, came, it, yeah. Came, it bubbled up out of that struggle. And it's exactly what it felt like. It was bubbling and gurgling and gurgling and just a just vomitarium of words just came <laughs> Just came out of me, you know, just exploded. I like to say that perhaps some detours are not always detours. Perhaps they're actually the path. Shortcuts. Yep.